This podcast is brought to you by Villanova University on iTunes U. Please visit us on itunes.villanova.edu. Okay, I hope you guys are ready to interact and have some fun, because really, otherwise, what's the point, right? Especially on when you do have finals and all the other stuff you have. So I want everybody to contribute and sort of be part of this, okay? So the first thing I'm going to ask is if anybody in here knows anyone that they would consider a BSer. Anybody? Great. Does anybody think that they are a BSer? Anybody? Maybe one. Good girl. She's telling the <laughs> truth. Okay, the point is if you go to any kind of a networking event, the first thing you're going to hear is BS, business speak. It's everywhere. So the first thing you're going to hear is something like, oh, we provide professional service solutions to Fortune 5000 companies. Or we, uh, we've been manufacturing quality materials since 1938. It just go on and on. Okay? We provide software for you know, mid-cured cap companies who do X, Y, Z. Wouldn't it be great and so much fun if somebody said, I'm, an, I'm a CEO for who gives a damn. And I make, the, I make crap at the highest possible price I can so I can command the biggest salary that I possibly can and go live in a gigantic house and play golf at the fanciest country club. Wouldn't that perk up your ears if you actually overheard that instead? I mean, really, that's what I'm talking about when I say authentic networking. I want you guys to be able to really come out into the business world. And I know some of you have been there and some of you haven't yet. but really kind of look at things a little bit differently than what the current generation, and I'll include myself in that generation, the way we grew up and the way we do stuff. So the first thing I think we have to do is talk about how do we become BSers? How does this happen? I mean, you know, when you guys are in school, you meet a friend, you're not going, well, I, rah, 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 you know? But in business, you start to do it. And the reason is you come out of school and you're in a new situation. Or you get a new job and you're in a new situation. And all of a sudden you're just a little bit doubtful. Like, is this right for me? Am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Is this what they want me to do? Is this what they told me to do? You're trying to adapt. Next thing you know, you're copying what other people are saying because that's what you're hearing all the time. And then it all of a sudden becomes a habit. You don't even realize you're doing it. And there's this jargon and lingo everywhere, and every industry has it. It doesn't matter. Like, when I do these presentations, I'll, I'll go to, let's say, um, a group of organizational dynamics people. And they have all their own engaging employees in blah, blah, blah. They have all their own BS lingo. And you go over to the software guys, and they have their BS lingo. But it, it's, it's rampant. And it's really meaningless. And it's become so meaningless that people don't even know. It's like the emperor with no clothes. People aren't even going to say, like, what are you even talking about? But usually, you don't even know what they're talking about. So we're going <laughs> to talk about that today. And we're going to say, what if it were different? What if you could actually just be who you were in every situation and be OK with that? Be OK with not knowing. Be OK with asking what the hell are you talking about when people say it. Just be OK with all of that. What would happen is that you would prevent so much BS. You would actually become more memorable. 
people would remember you because you wouldn't sound like everybody else. And ultimately, and the most important thing, is that you'd be happier. And actually, you would end up being more successful, which is, which is the biggest thing that people don't realize. But do you believe me? I'll tell you why I came to this. I have been both a BSer and a truth teller, so I know. I started out in corporate, and I did a whole decade for you know, brand management learned about how to run a brand, how to understand a brand, how to talk to a consumer, et cetera, et cetera, with these kinds of organizations. And then I, I left and um, had young children and took about a six-year hiatus. Um, after about a decade, I was in my uh, early 30s when I stopped. Took about that much time off, and then I started my own business. Now. You would normally think that I was a BSer when I was at corporate, and then when I finally became my own boss, I became a truth teller. But it wasn't the case. Because what happened was, when I was your age and just going out into the working world, we didn't have what you guys have. We didn't have internships. We were never in any kind of professional situation until we actually got our first job. So when I got my first job, it was with Libby's Libby's Libby's, which is an old company. You guys probably never even heard of it. Um, but they were bought by Carnation, and then, and you have heard of Carnation, and then Carnation was bought by Nestle. So when I started, I didn't know any better. I didn't know about the BS factor, and I didn't know how, to, how I was supposed to be. So I actually was myself, and I said whatever I thought at any given moment. And it didn't matter who was around, and then all of a sudden people would start coming up to me and saying like, how did you talk about that elephant in the room? Like, I can't believe you said this to that guy. And I was kind of like, oh, <laughs> like, I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to. I thought that we were supposed to say what we thought, you know? I really was that stupid. And what happened was it started to work for me, and I was getting promoted. And no one could understand why, and I couldn't either. And finally, I got promoted over a guy that was clearly the better candidate. And that was when I went to the boss who promoted me and said, how did, how, why did I get this and that guy did not? And he said, well, clearly not because you're smarter. Um, and, and we both agreed, because we knew this guy had like head and shoulders over me. And he said, but in this position, it's really important that somebody is able to talk to the senior management team in the same way that they talk to the guy from the mailroom and the person in purchasing and the person in distribution, and that's why you got the job. Because you're able to do all of that. And I then thought I had this special talent, <laughs> right? But then remember I told you about my own business and becoming a BSer and how it happens? Well, it happened to me then. Then, because I was in a new situation, I'd started my own business. Oh, by the way, my husband was my partner, and we had two kids in middle school, a giant mortgage, and like, you know, all of a sudden this whole different kind of lifestyle to support. And I was supposed to be the one who was in charge of getting the business, right? So somebody said, can you put a lipstick on this pig? And I was like, what shade do you want? I got a million of them, you know? And all of a sudden, I stopped saying what I really thought about anything. 
was just like, uh-huh, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that too. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I do that. I get that job, get that job, get that job. It took about four years to realize I had gone and become a complete BSer. It was horrible. All of a sudden, I was like, why don't I like this? This is my own company. Why, why aren't I having any fun? It was because I had become somebody I couldn't stand in my earlier days. That would be the kind of person I'd be like, who do they think they are? What are they talking about? I had become like that. And it was all because of this. I was afraid. I was afraid. And I didn't even realize that I was afraid. It just started happening. And that's what happens when we're in these situations where we're new. We kind of get like, and this fear builds up, and we don't even realize that we aren't ourselves anymore. So that's when I stopped all of it, because not only was I a BS for myself, but because I was in marketing communications, I was contributing to the BS factor in the whole, for everyone I worked for, because they would say this stuff to me, and I'd go, oh, really? I'd, I'd act like what they were saying was actually meaningful when it was business speak. So I was contributing. I was writing things like that. So I decided no more, not doing it anymore. And if I have to, whatever, if I have to become a bag lady, if I have to do whatever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about things that are true and real and not business speak. And so since then, I've been talking about it publicly everywhere. And my company is so much more successful. So you know, believe it if you want, but let's, let's just, it, let's assume that you believe me, and then let's talk about how to do that. So the first thing, the first commandment of authentic networking is to know yourself. Yeah, and, and you guys have all gotten to a point where you're, you know, you know yourselves pretty well, but here's the thing for all of us. If you take your finger and you put it right on the end of your nose and you look down, you're cross-eyed. We can't always see ourselves because we've been walking around like this all the time. So what I want you to do is take your paper and your pen and write down three things about yourself. Three things. And they can be whatever you want them to be. Hopefully they're positive, but they don't have to be. Anything. Do you guys in here know each other for the most part? OK, good. All right, who has three? Who has their three written? You do. What's your name? Jim. Jim, what are your three? Flexible, hardworking, and outgoing. Excellent. What are your three? What's your name first? August. August. Uh, hopeful, kind, and sympathetic. Excellent. What, what are your? Th what's your name? Anne. Oh yeah. Mine are different. Um, I wrote. I love my family. I love shopping, and I love dogs. Okay. Put shopping, dogs, and family. That's good. <laughs> Th that those are descriptive. That's okay. What are yours? What's your name first? Brittany. Brittany. Um, Excellent. You guys are good. How about you? What's your name? Gina. Gina. Um, I'm honest. I love to laugh and I work hard. 
Excellent. Okay. Now, those all, for, for most of you, you put things that you like about yourselves. That's, that's what I wanted you to do. Okay? But I also want to know what others think. So I want you to get into groups of three, and I want each um, of you to say three things about the other person. Okay? Just write from your own observation. And I'm going to put you in the groups. You're not going to pick. Okay? I'm going to put you three together. You're going to jump over and go with these two. Matt? Okay? You, you, and you are going to come up here. I'm going to put you with these two guys. And then you four. Okay, can you come back with these four? Or you just jump up there and then you guys can turn your things. Now, everybody, oh, you're not in it. You jump in with anybody. All right, so here's how it's going to work. Everybody's first going to focus on one per Look over here. Okay? Everybody take one, the one person in the group, and then these two write three things about them. Okay? And you hold for a moment. Then when they're finished, they'll move over to the second person, and these two will write three things. Okay? Everybody do the same thing in their group. Now, everybody's going to go, well, I don't know this person. Okay? <laughs> Even if you don't know them, write three things, because guess what? That's how we judge. Doesn't matter if you know them or not, you've already judged them, and you know that. Okay? So write your three things. And they don't have to be positive. Take one person at a time. So now you're all going to do her. Then you're going to move. Then you're all going to do you. Okay? Did you do three things? Go ahead. Not yet. But you are going to. But I don't say that because I don't want you to be too nice. Okay? Yes. If you want. You, you, you know. Yeah, you don't have to. We'll do it at the end where you collect it. Oh, yeah, yeah, switch. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, switch it up. Everybody, you know, after that three, then move to the next one, that's one. Everybody gets three. Tell me when you're done. Tell me when your whole group is finished. Okay? One of my weaknesses, I don't give clear direction. <laughs> will in a minute. Just tell me when you're finished, though.
You guys done? Okay. You guys are done? Are you guys finished? Okay. Mm -hmm. You guys finished? Almost. Okay. okay. Almost. Okay. Hop two. It doesn't take that long. I don't want, I, I want the gut reaction, right? I don't want any like really thoughtful response. Because again, we judge each other in snap seconds, not like after all this time, okay? Yeah. All right, now in your group, I want you to share, you can either hand the person your three things or you can just talk about it. You know what, what, do you, what would you rather? Oh, talk about it. Okay, so we'll just talk about it. But. If you're the person, I want you to write down the, the other things that people say about you. I want you to have a list of nine or 12 things, depending on what kind of group you're in. Okay? So start with Noel. And Noel, you just write down what everybody says about you. Okay. Yeah, you tell Nicole, and then you guys go around. Miss Positive Attitude over there. What's your name? Bettina. Bettina. Okay. I'm going to call on you next. You're finished? Okay. Everybody finished? Yeah? Okay. All right, here you guys. Next thing I want you to do. Ready? Look up here. It says the most distinctive. I want you to circle on your list of 
three, six, nine, or 12 things, the, the most distinctive word that came back to you? The most distinctive. However that means for you. I also want you to circle the word that came up the most often. Sometimes that'll be the same word, but most of the time it won't. Because we're not all that creative, frankly. None of us. Okay, what's your name? Chris. Chris. Would you share your most distinctive word and your most common? My name was common because there was nothing that repeated, but okay. my distinct was organized. That was the most distinctive. Okay. And if you would. What would you say to that? Would you say that that is super, super true? Absolutely. OK, great. Bettina, what was your most distinctive word, and what was the most common? Well, the common word was uh, friendly. Friendly? Yeah. OK. And, well, distinctive might be adaptable. Adaptable? OK. And of both those words, which one do you think is more applicable to you? I know. I say which one? <laughs> Friendly? Okay. I would bet it's not, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let you go with that. What's your name? Okay. <laughs> Just say the letter of, what's the first letter? O. O. Jessa? No. Olesa. Close? Yeah. Olesa. <laughs> All right, say it again. Alesa. Alesa. Tr real translation. Yeah. Not Elise, maybe? Not even? No. Okay, let's go with Olesa. <laughs> Plus, we don't want a translation. You don't translate your name. Your name's your name. Okay, which we're actually going to talk about your name in a minute. But first, tell me uh, your distinctive and your common. Okay. <laughs> and common, uh, active, energetic. Active, energetic. Okay, good. Who else? Who's going to share? You, Matt? Uh, Andrew. Andrew. Yeah. Sorry, why that's am I calling right. you Matt? I don't know, but that's my brother's name. Oh, so. maybe you look, you, you, my brother's name is Matt, too. Really? Yeah. Wow. Sorry about that. No, that's all right. <laughs> um, so my most common word was kind. Oh. And my this most distinctive word I circled was insightful. Insightful. Okay, and then would you say, which one would you say was more true? Um. <laughs> if you had to pick. I think, I mean, both Terry, obviously, but probably insightful. Okay, you know? good. All right. How about you? What's your name? I'm Tina. Tina. So my most common was sort of, they said, like, I have a great laugh and a good smile. Mm -hmm. so I think they kind of go together. And then my most distinctive is confidence. Excellent. Okay, and you think that's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, who did I miss? I missed all you guys in the middle here. <laughs> all right, I, uh, we're gonna come to you next, okay? So what I want you to do now is I want you to say three things about you that you don't think are great. I wouldn't call them weaknesses necessarily, but I would call them things that you either try to hide or that you're not crazy about them that part of yourself, that you're not perfect. <laughs> I know, it's hard to imagine, right? 
But mine, it would be called flake factor. I would put right as top. Like, I just forget everything, put shit in the wrong places. You know, it's just, it drives me crazy about myself. I can't stand myself with that. So if, whatever that is with you, that you're constantly going like, ugh, write it down. And if you can't think of anything, write self-awareness. <laughs> you all wrote something already? All right. What's your name? Oh, are you finished? No. Not finished. Okay, what's your name? Rachel, what did you write? I said that I procrastinate, I'm easily sidetracked, and I'm forgetful. Oh, you wrote three things. I did I say three things? Yeah, I did. Uh, Sorry. I, I, think I, I think I wrote three things and said one thing, didn't I? What the hell did I say? I think you said three things. Okay, good. What did you say again then? <laughs> I said I procrastinate, I'm easily sidetracked, and forgetful. Oh, okay, good. She and I, are, we, we're like the buddy sisters. <laughs> okay, who else didn't I call on you? What's your name? Christina, what did you write? I procrastinate. I forget everything if I don't write it down. Okay. And I become frantic at times. Okay. Yeah, you're, there's a common theme here. What about yours? Uh, I said procrastinate, uh, <laughs> passive, and I'd say sometimes I'm too self-aware. Okay, that's good. What about yours? Um, procrastination. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How do you guys get anything done around here? <laughs> I'm also kind of lazy. Um, oh, that's I good. Like Okay, I am so proud of you guys. <laughs> what did you write, Megan? I wrote, um, sometimes I make decisions too quickly. I can get stressed out. Mm -hmm. And um, this is like the opposite, but sometimes too analytical. Okay, so sometimes rash and sometimes stuck. Okay, that's normal. All right, what about you? You're the only one I haven't called on yet. I think. <laughs> Okay. Um, I can be overly analytical. Mm -hmm. and then, not that it's a terrible thing, but at times I can be shy at first. Okay. Yeah. What's your, what's your name first? Courtney. Courtney. Um, I said that I have a short patience, mm. um, that I'm a master procrastinator, mm -hmm. and then also sometimes I struggle to delegate tasks. Okay. So she's not just I'm a sure. procrastinator, she's a master procrastinator. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, those are really, really good, you guys. You have a lot of self-awareness. Now, one of the things when you're interviewing, have, has anybody talked to you about talking about your weaknesses in interviewing? Have you guys, do you know how to do it? Do they tell you to turn it into a strength? Total BS, okay? That, weaknesses are not strengths, people. Okay, hello. That's another one of those just like business speak things. They are not strengths. What is interesting is, is about where, what your job is, right? So if you don't delegate well, you'd be a great entrepreneur because you have to do freaking everything, right? So the, at that point, it's not a weakness. It's still a weakness, but it's not as much of a weakness in that situation as it is in other situations where you might have a team of six underneath you waiting for you to give them something to do, then it's a problem. So you guys gotta really think about your weaknesses more than your strengths. And you gotta think about them in terms of getting into a place 
where your weaknesses are not what you're always going to deal with all the time. Okay? That's the biggest thing because we can get so unhappy so quickly if we have to do stuff that we suck at all the time. And don't let people tell you, well, if you talk about it this way or this way, it becomes a strength. It does not. When I was in getting reviewed by two guys, and um, I was probably about, I'd say 28. So I'd been working enough, maybe I was close to 30. I'd been working enough that it wasn't like brand new. But I had two bosses, and there was the boss and then the boss's boss, and they were giving me the review. And the first, the first thing that the boss says is, you are tenacious to a fault. And the guy, his boss says, no, 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 I love that. That's her best thing. And they spent the rest of the review arguing about whether or not tenacity was, or my brand of tenacity was a strength or a weakness. And I just sat there. I didn't even really know I was tenacious. I didn't really thought, I, I didn't even kind of was like, well, what do they even mean? But the point is that, the, that we, our weaknesses, are really in the eyes of the beholder. So they're really just attributes. They're really traits. They're kind of just part of who we are. But we kind of need to stop looking at them so much as weaknesses and just sort of part and parcel of who we are and let the, the job and the person you're working with and all the rest of it decide if that's a strength or a weakness. Now, if they decide you've got a boatload of weaknesses, then you've got the wrong job, okay? But they really shouldn't. The next thing about knowing yourself is to know what you care about most in the world. What do you care about? What's really, really important to you? Megan, family. That might be one of hers. We'll see. But the way I want you to do this is instead of, um, I want you to just look at that list and I want you to write down every word that, that is like, speaks to you. Every one of them. And if there's something up there that you didn't, um, that you think should be, because there's always a whiner, why didn't you put this? Just write that, okay? my type on here. See, I can't see. <laughs> it's my note. Okay, stop. Now, I want you to cross out and get the list down to five. Assuming you have more than five, get it down to five. If you don't have more than five, just sit tight.
After you get it down to five, I want you to get it down to three. Narrow it down to three. You got three? Here's the thing about our core values. When you find that you're upset by something or that somebody makes you really angry or in some way you start to feel sick, like, ugh, something's wrong, nine times out of 10, it's gonna be because something is, somebody is either, what I say, pissing all over your core values in some way or somehow they're not being met or you haven't had a, you're just in a situation where something is bugging you. So I'll give you an example. For me, a lot of times at the end of the day, and this might be good for the other forgetters in the room, my three are integrity, connectedness, and fun. At, sometimes at the end of the day, I start to feel like sick, like, ugh, something's wrong, like I might throw up. Then I realize, Ooh, I told somebody I would do something by the end of the day, and I haven't done it. So the integrity button is getting pushed. And then I really, and then I, that brings it to mind, like, oh, I either, if I'm not going to be able to do it, I need to either, you know, somehow figure that out, right? So I got to call and either tell them I'm not going to be able to do it, or I got to do it, or whatever it is. But I got I to figure out how to make sure that my integrity stays intact. Right? Sometimes, if I'm not having enough fun, I get really antsy and annoyed. And, you know, and, and a lot of people, when you're my age, it's hard to have fun. People are talking to you about their sewage systems and their landscape guy. It's unbelievable how boring people get at my age. They're like, oh, and who do you use for your landscaper? Like, could we talk about sex or religion, please? <laughs> God, it's just so dull. So I can get really annoyed. So if you have a problem, I have a client who called me one day. She was like, steam out of her ears. I said, what, what? She's on this board of directors for some, you know, organization. And she had some kind of thing with another woman on the board. And they were like catfighting. And I, I actually knew what her core values were because I'd worked with her. And um, I said, is it respect? And she was like, that's it. You know, she is not being respectful to me, and this whole process is not respectful. Rah, 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 rah. But the point is, once you identify what it is, you can actually then deal with it. A lot of times, we don't even, we're not able to identify it. So that's why I'm saying, take your core values, put them on a post-it note, put them near your desk, put them in your car, and whenever you get like a little, <clears throat> try to identify what it is. And when you do, you can actually take action to adjust. Go have some more fun. Who wants to share their three? Come on. Jim. Uh, love, integrity, and family. Awesome. When you get a job, you want to make sure that all of those things are also that your company cares about that, especially family, right, and love, right? If they only think you should care about work, then you might be in trouble because there are plenty of companies that think you should only care about work. So it, that was the other piece of core values. Companies have them too. 
You want to make sure yours align with theirs. What are yours, Noelle? Um, I had honesty, family, and fun. Great. So again, there's a lot of companies that don't think you should have any fun. Make sure that you don't go to one of those because <laughs> you will not, not enjoy it. Who else? Anybody else? Yes. I forget your name. Tell me. Gina. Gina. Nurturing, respect, and tenderness. Excellent. Again, All ties into my family. I was just going to say <laughs> that. Do you have kids? They're grown. Yeah, but that's, that's a big part of who you are and what you yeah. care about. So you'll probably in, be, and you probably already are, a mentor to others. Yeah, that's, a, that's really good because you're making sure that that is still, even if your kids are grown, you're still doing that. So that's, that, those are the things we want to make sure we always have something in our lives that are helping us get what we need or else we're going to be miserably unhappy. Sorry. That's okay. Thanks. Okay, let's move on. Second commandment, know thy neighbors. Do I mean the people that live next door to you? Yes or no? Probably not. No. <laughs> what I mean is when you want something, when you're networking, who else is in the room? Who are the neighbors? Who's there? If you go to a networking event, look up the people that are attending before you go so you don't get stuck in the corner with some schmo and you can't get out. You gotta go, oh, you know what? I know Jim so-and-so is here and I'm here to meet him, so you get out. But if you don't really have a thing, a reason to go, the other thing about knowing your neighbors is when you're getting a job, you want to know who else is, who's the neighbor? Who are the other candidates? What do they have that you don't have? What do you have that they don't have? So you can speak to that. Know it. Know what's around you. Does anybody have any questions about that with knowing your, their, like what I'm talking about or anything? No? Okay. Get it. Okay. Embrace what is most unique about you. A lot of times we um, we actually hide the thing that is most unique about us. A lot of times we don't realize what is most unique about us. But once you do, you want to be able to talk about that in a way that's not just good for you, but also good for the world, for humanity, okay? So how does what's unique about you translate into what's good for others? Here's a way you can look at it. I either work with or want to work with types of people and or organizations to do whatever I do so that they will get something, right? You want them to get something out of what's unique about you because then you're going to be playing to your strengths. You're going to be the most qualified person to do that because that's unique about you. It's not what anybody can do. But there also has to be a benefit to somebody else. In the, even, even we're just talking about in the world, right? You want to contribute to the betterment of the world. So how is what is unique about you translate? Can you fill out that sentence? If you were to just say, I work with blank to do blank so they will blank. Could anybody do that right away? If you can't, that's fine that's what I'm here for. I want you to be able to fill in that sentence. So for me, I, before I would work with anybody, any old Joe Schmo, I'd say, yeah, 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 I can do that. Now I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm only going to work with you if you have courage to be authentic. So boom, I work with courageous people 
and companies. That's all I'm going to work with. I'm not going to work with anybody anymore. Okay? And I want them to embrace their truths, their strengths. I want to help them communicate those effectively so that what will happen? What will happen for them? They're going to be happier. They're going to be more successful and they're ultimately going to be more profitable because they're going to work in a place of strength for them. How does what you do help other people? Andrew, got it right. I had to just practice. What would you say, what would you say that what you do, you're insightful. Let's just take insightful okay. since we already worked on that word. How would that contribute to the world at large? Okay, and what would be, like, what's your area of expertise? What, are you, what kind of work do you want to do? Um, I don't know. Very don't know yet? Maybe compensation with HR? You mean, like, in general? Yeah, yeah, HR? in general. In HR, in general. Um, you know, You're thinking maybe in compensation? Well, maybe like a director or senior VP one day. Okay. A leader. Okay, so you want to be a leader. Okay, that's great. Okay, so insightfulness, and if you're a leader, what will your leading people with an insightful manner, what will that do for them? Help them discover their potential. Thing. That's what I'm talking about. Okay? So they will, not only will you compensate them accordingly, but if, the thing is, people aren't going to get, or they shouldn't, sometimes they do, but they sh people should grow into their selves and be compensated for it, right? So you're not only just going to decide what they get compensated for, but help them grow into the best thing that they could possibly be. Like, how great is that? Seriously, isn't that good? It's so much better than being like the VP of compensation. There's business speak, right? But wouldn't it be better if you could just help people really get their own potential, really embrace their best work, and then be well compensated for it? That's what you could put in this sentence right now. Could anybody else? Does anybody else want to do a little coaching on it? Come on. What's wrong with you people? All right, we're going to move on. What's in a name? This is a really big part of networking that nobody talks about. And that is, how do you say your name and how do you get people to remember your name? What's your last name, Jim? <laughs> I picked the perfect person. Next, I'm going to pick Algesia. Okay? So, Heights and Raider. Okay. So, when you introduce yourselves, when you introduce yourself, come stand. Do it. James Heitzenreiter. Oh, hi, James. How are you? What the hell is your last name? Heitzenreiter. Excellent. How are people going to remember that? Do you have any way for them to remember it? It's German for heater repairman. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. 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 It doesn't matter. It, I mean, again, I know I'm about truth, but I'm also about a great story. Okay? So that, I love that because right away it's, you, can, you can help people identify it. Okay, I want you to all introduce yourselves um, to one another and I want you to switch it up, switch up your groups. And when you introduce each other, I want you to say if you felt like it was a very easy and memorable thing or if it was difficult. 
okay? Switch it up, just doesn't matter. Just to pick one person and the two of you introduce each other, to each other. Just practice. the hard who who was introduced to someone who had a hard name okay who else nobody else had a hard name everyone else's was easy seriously all right Megan who was your person what was her last name Taryn Cinco Teresienka okay how was that <laughs> horrible yeah, okay. So you are going to have a little bit of a harder time, but we'll, we're going to come back to you in a minute. Who, uh, who has a really common name? What's your, what's your last name, Rachel? Cohen. Rachel Cohen. God, I know a million of them, right? No, it's true. So that is a really common name, um, although not at Villanova. You're probably, seriously, There's though. There's one other at Villanova. I get her emails. Okay, so there is one other at Villanova. Okay, good. Um, so when you have a name like Rachel Cohen, what do you do? Do you have any kind of strategy for making it more distinctive? Nothing. Okay. One of the things, this is all just food for thought, okay? Because one of the things you just want to consider that people are going to think like, that's a name that could be in certain circles. Now, in other circles, it won't be that common. But in, if you live in Lower Marion, where I live, I know three Rachel Cohens. So, you know, you could easily have that problem. So what's your middle name? Nora. Nora. Okay. So that might be something that you either adopt or you don't. Um, and I'm not saying your name has to be distinctive. All I'm saying is recognize if you have a name that's either hard to say, hard to remember, and that people will not, most people will not go, what was it? Can you spell it? They'll just blow off. They'll just blow you off and they won't, they're lazy, okay? They don't wanna try to figure it out. It's like, ah, whatever, I'll, I'll talk to somebody whose name I know. Megan, what's your last name? <laughs> Seriously, that's what happens. So you just wanna be aware of it. When I got married, my last name became Corhan, K. O-O-R-H-A-N, it's Russian. And I had to say it like that a million times. K, no, not C, no, two O's, no, not R-R, O-O-H-A. When, and when I was, after I took that time off and I went back to work, I had been Terry Corhan for all that mommy time, and then I just said, Terry Whitaker, back at work. I am Terry Whitaker. <laughs> so much easier. 
it, it, it was just a consideration, and it was only because I went to a coach who said, you're going to be in marketing and business development, you need people to know and remember what your name is. What's your maiden name? And I said, Whitaker, and he was like, ding, ding, go back. Okay, so if you can't, now it's so easy to get divorced. I mean, everything, no. The point is that if you, if you have a name that's hard, you're going to have to work harder. Okay, you do want to help people. You want to help people to say it. You want to help, and, and for you, it's, first of all, you're lucky, okay, because you're cute. Everyone's going to try harder. Okay, they are. I mean, again, we're just going to call it what it is in this room, right? Because it, they're, they're going to go like, okay, say it again, and oh, she's smiling, and she's so cute. Okay, let me get it again. It, it, she's not going to have as hard of a time as Heidenreiter. <laughs> you are cute, but a different kind, okay? But the point is that be aware of your name, okay? And just be aware of how it lands. And when it's harder to say, make sure you say it louder and with a little bit more, um, what do they call that? Articulation. Thank you. Okay, now, do all of you have a pitch? Yeah? More or less? Okay, you should. Okay, this is your pitch. If you don't have one, get one. This is it. You do want to know how you affect people. You do want to know how you talk about yourself. You do want to be able to talk about yourself in a way that's positive. But you don't want to do it in that way that you've seen a lot of people do it. Hi, I'm so-and-so, and you know I do that, right? Get rid of that. In networking, people are going to ask you right away, well, what do you do? Turn it around on them. Ditch the pitch, okay? Remember that people really don't care, <laughs> okay? They don't care. So ask them about something they care about. Ding, that's right. Ask them about that. So keep your pitch in your back pocket until, and even if somebody does ask you, don't bring out your pitch because you can see it in their eyes. You don't really care. Just say, let's talk about you for a minute, okay? Do that until they really, until they've talked about themselves for so long that they're embarrassed and they finally have to go, so tell me about you. That's when they might listen to what your story is, okay? So ditch the pitch first. Number five, obey the laws of attraction. This is again in all networking situations. We have to be aware of what's going on. People, the first law of attraction is exposure, the exposure effect. The more people are around you, the more they will like you, the more they will remember that your name, the more they will refer you. If you keep yourself hidden in your room, you will not get the exposure effect. You have to actually get out there. Physicality. I was talking about how cute she is. We all are cute in our own way. But we have to do everything that our mother always told us to do in order to be our cutest. We do have to stand up straight. We have to brush our teeth. I swear, I have a college-age son. I still am saying, did you brush your teeth? I'm like, fucking hey. Where did I go wrong? Kid doesn't brush his teeth like, God almighty. Hello. Thank you, the nurturing mother. <laughs> Okay, if he gets a girlfriend, maybe he'll start brushing his teeth. Um, 
I got off track. Uh, okay, but near, seriously, it's just all of that physicality. We're attracted to people who are confident, who stand up straight, who, you know, just take a little bit of care in how they um, present themselves. Similarity, we are attracted to people who are like us. That's a law of attraction. It's normal. Go with it. But also remember, we're also attracted to people who compliment us. And in work situations, we're better off with people who compliment us. All of the procrastinators are good with people who dive in. All of the, the detail people are good with the big picture people. So again, when you're getting your job, you want to make sure that what you're good at and what the people that are around you are good at are going to be complimentary, because that will really help. And then, again, this is back to, to networking, reciprocity. People like people who like them first. Robert De Niro was interviewed on the Oscars, and he said, and, and the person said to him, well, what do you think of Bradley Cooper, you know, with the big microphone? And he goes, seems like an okay guy. He likes me. And I thought to myself, it doesn't matter how big you are. He, wa he was happy because he liked him first. So reciprocity. And don't, so don't be afraid to tell people you like them, you know? Do it. Number six, seek to understand. This goes back to the other thing about asking first, right? Seek to understand the other person first, then to be understood. And it's better to ask questions about things that aren't business related. And we'll get to that a little bit in, a, in just a minute. Okay, but anything besides business is better than business, really. Let's do a little listening exercise, because this is one of the things we talked about it. Today, no matter how introverted you are, it's still super, super hard to listen because we have so many distractions. You guys have a bazillion times more than we ever had. So it's even harder for you to kind of like focus and pay attention and hear what somebody says and process that because your cell phone's going off and who texted you and what do they want and how's that going and what else? It's, it's impossible. So get into a twosome and here's the exercise. I want you to think of a time that you felt like you weren't being listened to. Whether you were shopping and you couldn't find anyone to help you. I remember I was in a drugstore and like nobody would come up to I needed something, I couldn't find it. I finally just started going, help! You know, like, is anybody going to come and, and help me find what I need here? For God's sakes, you know? So get into twosome and the one person who's listening, try to, to understand what it was that provoked the non-listening piece. Okay, the person who felt they weren't being listened to. So exchange your stories, okay? Just take, take a minute. And you might only have time to do one, so you can decide who, who's going to talk and who's going to listen. Drinks in just a minute. But I want to go on, oh, no, I want to talk about the listening. So who was a listener? Raise your hand if you were a listener. Okay. Um, Olieska. <laughs> what did your partner say? about her story and what did you what did you glean from it um, she said that she always goes with her problems to her brother mm -hmm. and, um, does he listen yeah oh okay then you didn't follow the exercise <laughs> he doesn't okay 
So you didn't get what she said. What did you say? Seriously. It's okay. That's, what the, that's why we're doing this. Go ahead. He just tells me it's not a big deal. Stop talking about it. Okay. So he doesn't listen. Oh, okay. So that might have been a little bit of a translation issue. But the point is that sometimes it really is hard to listen to get, to get what people are saying. Who else was a listener? Were you? Yeah, I was a listener. You were a listener. So what did you get? Was this your partner? Yeah. Okay. And um, well, Ray told me about his family reunions on Cape Cod. Yes. And his mom has big family, like eight siblings. So they all meet up with their children and they have a lot of activities and birthdays and parties and they all try to catch up with each other. So they have a lot of small talk and talk conversations. So he feels like not really listened to in depth because everyone is superficially interested. Okay. All right, she got it. She got it. Okay, who was a listener in this group? What did you hear? Um, Jim told me a story about his boss and how like Jim needed um, like support in ordering some supplies, um, but the boss just wouldn't like give him his full attention, and so those supplies didn't get ordered in as timely manner as they could have been. Okay, so, uh, let's do one more. Who else was li was a listener? Anybody over here? Yes. Andy and I both agreed that um, our bosses have, like, if you propose a new idea or something, maybe because we don't have enough experience, just kind of feel like you're not listened to. It just, you know, passes over you. And when you when you feel like you're not being listened to, what are the what are the nonverbals? What's going on? For me, my boss is remote. Like, it's always over the phone, so it's hard to really hard. You can't tell if he's yeah. actually on the computer or not. Right. Do you just, what, what, is your, um, what is your gut? How do you imagine that he is when he's not listening? I, I, he's usually smoking a cigarette outside. Well, okay. <laughs> so there you go, right? So he's yeah, not I mean, even actually right. fully present. Right, and, uh, yeah. Okay. And for you? For me, I feel like when I say something, she'll be like, okay, yeah, 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 and then jump right into another topic, and I feel like it doesn't say it. It doesn't, it just goes, yeah. And does it ever come back around? Never. Okay, so we know what it feels like not to be listened to. And frankly, most of us don't listen to anybody else either. We try, you know, especially when our core values say that we should and we really want to. But sometimes we're just like, yeah, 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 I gotta get, you know, I got eight million things to do, your idea is brilliant, I'll, I'll think about that tomorrow. And then you don't. You don't come back to it. You don't listen. The biggest thing that you can do to separate yourself from everyone else in the world, and this goes in networking situations, but it goes in everything, is to actually be fully present to somebody when they are speaking to you. It's almost impossible to do it, especially when, when it's like your spouse. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, your spouse starts in and you're like, yeah, yeah. I got dishes to do, I got this, okay? Or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your brother or sister. Those are the people you blow off the most, the people that you care about. You don't listen to it all. But if you try to, be, to, to literally be fully present to hear some, what somebody is talking about, to put everything else down and to really listen, you will separate yourself in an unbelievable way. It's really hard. I've been doing it with coaching. I've, I've actually had to 
like I, I had to realize what a horrible listener I've been my whole life because I like to talk. <laughs> so in coaching, you have to listen to people to be able to help them. You really have to, to, to lead people, you have to hear people. If you guys listen, it will, it will change your life. Yes? Similar to listening, I remember this one speaker saying how whenever he met someone, he'd try to get their birthday and then he'd put it in the calendar. So like on the birthday, he'd send them a LinkedIn message saying, happy birthday, I hope you're doing well. And a lot of times, it just meant so much more than anything else because it showed that he cared, he followed up, and he was listening, and he took no extra work, and he probably just caught like one little detail, put it in his reminder calendar, and just made a huge difference in them remembering him. I love that story. And actually, that's going to be one of our commandments is, is exactly that. Because if you do something for someone else first, before you ask for something, before you need something, and it isn't something that they expect, that is going to make a world of difference. But you have to listen in order to even figure something else out, right? You have to figure out what to do to, for them. If, if you haven't heard that they have two kids or you haven't heard that they are trying to move or you haven't heard whatever their story is, then you can't do anything. So it's huge. Listening. Let's move on. Oh, wait. Did we talk about this? No. Nonverbal. So we started to talk about nonverbal. And we know that 80% of all communication is nonverbal. So you could feel when your boss wasn't listening, even when they were giving you the uh-huh, uh-huh. Same thing happens in, in all kinds of relationships where you, everyone's trying to establish who's got the power, right? Who's in the power position? Happens in every kind of business interaction. Who's the quote-unquote boss? And when people are peers, then it's like, you know, I want to be better than you. So when power meets power, there's some kind of a rub, some kind of a confrontation. And you, you just, it's nonverbal, right? Nobody's saying, I want to be better than you. I know you're the same level as me. That when power meets vulnerability, there's domination. So when you're in a situation where it's your boss and you feel like, Heck, you know, this, this is Andrew, <laughs> right? When power meets vulnerability, there's domination. It's not a good situation. It even looks like him. I, I, if his boss looked like that, it'd be better, though. Does she? Oh, no, I, have to, I would have to call, call employer <laughs> That's true. Here's the thing. When, when vulnerability meets vulnerability, that's the only time that intimacy can really be created. And so you have to be vulnerable and the person you are speaking with also needs to. And how do you get other people to be vulnerable? Does anybody know? Ask them about something that was hard for them. Ask them, what, what was something that you failed at that just made you so, you know, what was, what was an obstacle that you overcame? What was your biggest failure? When people start, when you ask them stuff like that, all of a sudden they, they get right back in that place where they failed. And if they're big enough, they'll start to talk about it. Next thing you know, you have a much more intimate relationship. So if you're in a situation where, whoops, how do I get that back? where you, I just wanted to go back to the vulnerability thing, 
when you're in a situation like this, one of the best things you can do is ask people about things that were hard for them. And, and not in a way that's manipulative at all, but more in a way like, hey, when you were my age, or hey, when you were doing this, what did you find the most difficult thing? And how did you overcome it? That puts you in a completely different kind of situation than this. So when you're doing that networking, don't forget to ask those kinds of questions. They're so much more meaningful than the regular business speak, okay? Now I go to the total flip side and I go to technology. So go from the most intimate relationship and then I say, okay, now get back to your technology. But here's the thing that's so fascinating. You guys, it's so much easier these days to keep in touch, but it's also so much harder because you don't even know, are they a Twitter person? Are they an e uh, they, what, uh, uh, Facebook? Am I supposed to do that? Am I not supposed to do that? Is that their family? Is this business? Where is that? No freaking clue. The only thing I will tell you is that LinkedIn is safe, okay, for business. Any kind of, of working situation, you need to go back after you've met somebody and link in with them. I was here in October, I talked to an entire group of marketing students. At least 20 some asked for my card afterward. At least 20 some I said, please feel free to link in with me. Know how many did? Take a guess. How many? Three. Three. I was shocked. I'm like, they're marketing majors, right? I have over 500 contacts. And I said, feel free. I will introduce you to anybody you like on there. Three. Look, you think if, if of those three, if they say, if any one of those three says to me, I found somebody on your LinkedIn I'd love to be introduced to, I will immediately do it because they went back and they made the effort to actually link in with me. Took them, let's see, two seconds? Right? Think about that unbelievable how many people don't do it. It's like, hello, that's a commandment. Do not forget it. Okay, assist thy new contact. That goes back to the birthday. When you make a contact, don't think about what they can do for you first. Think about what you can do for them. And so many times you're going to think, well, I'm in the, the vulnerable position. I'm the, you know, they're, they're here and I'm here, right? They, I can't do anything for them because they're, you know, CEO. Look, you can do a lot of things for them. You might not think you can. Maybe they have a kid with autism. Maybe that comes up because you've asked a question about what their challenges are. Maybe you, your kid, or not your kid, but maybe your um, best friend works in a camp for kids with autism. Who knows? The point is, if you're not thinking about it, you're not going to do anything for them because you're not going to think in that way. You're going to think, oh, they can only do something for me. I can't do something for them. You can do something for everybody, even if it's just to say happy birthday. Even if it's to send them a book that you were talking about, thought you might be interested. Don't say, what can I do to help you? Guess what? That puts the onus back on them. Oh, I have to now think about what you can do for me? Jeez, I got enough to think about. You think about it and just offer me something. That will impress me. This is the final one. Take a risk. 
to meet people you admire. This is so important. I want you to, to write down the names of two people you admire. They can be movie stars, they can be CEOs, they can be authors, anybody that you think, wow, he or she is the bomb. I want to be like that. Write down their names. And I'll tell you a story while you're thinking of yours. My husband is a movie guy. Loves movies. Loves everything. Could, you know, you say uh, a line from a movie, he'll tell you, oh yeah, that's from da-da-da, 1978, whatever. Okay? So we were doing, so I was doing some nonprofit work, and it was here in Philadelphia. And uh, I brought him to one of the fundraiser things. Will Smith Sr. was there. Will Smith Sr., and again, networking. They said hello to each other. I introduced them. They got, of course, talking about movies. And Will Smith Sr. said, oh, I have all this fancy equipment, but I don't know how to use it. So Greg said, oh, well, I can help you. I, I have all that same equipment. I can, I can show you what to do. He said, would you? Sure. So he went to his apartment, showed him how to use his fancy stuff. Greg came back, he was like, you can't believe the crap this guy has. He doesn't know how to use it. It's like the most expensive stuff you've ever seen. It's unbelievable, right? He was like drooling. But he showed him how to use it. Then the guy calls again. You know what? I got this screwed up. Can you, can you show me again? So Greg's like, oh my god. Okay, so he goes down. Shows him again. Like two years later, maybe three, Greg gets on a plane to go um, to a client out in Los Angeles to do some video work. And he gets on the plane, and Will Smith Sr. is on the plane. And he says, Greg, my man. And Greg's like, yeah. So he said, hey, I'm going to um, the premiere for seven pounds. You want to come? Greg's like, what? <laughs> Did I hear you properly? And he said, yeah, you want to come? First, we'll have dinner at my son's house, though. Is you okay with that? Greg was like, um, uh, 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 yeah, I think I'm okay with that. I'm really cool. I'll go with that. And he's calling me like, how am I going to get out of the work with the client? Like, I got to go to this thing. And I'm like, well, you're going to have to tell them the truth. So he, he goes out there to do client work and ends up at Will Smith's house for dinner. And at the premiere, he goes in the, all the black SUVs to the premiere down through Malibu. He thought he was like on this, in the CIA. He was like, he, he literally, I mean, was like, thought he had died and gone to heaven. That was like his premiere night. And I'm telling you that that was just from being nice to somebody else. When he networked and he called him, and he wasn't even thinking like I'll ever get, was he thinking to ever get to see Will Smith Jr. to actually be with him? No. That kid that doesn't brush his teeth, he's an actor up at Tisch at NYU. So now we have Will Smith as our contact, right? Think about that, that's a networking story for you. I mean, this is just Joe Schmo, Greg from nowhere, having dinner with Will Smith, only white guy in the room. <laughs> he was. He said. He said there were 12 people there. The rest were friends and family and him. Oh. I have another one of my own. It's not nearly as good. But there's a guy named Dan Pilata. Do you guys have, have any of you seen his TED Talk? If you haven't, look it up. His name is Dan Pilata. He is such a brilliant freaking guy. Went to Harvard, he's got these amazing credentials. His writing is like unbelievable. His TED talk was unbelievable. He's the most inspiring guy. 
And I was like, God, I love that guy. So I just called him up and I said, you know what, I just love you. And he was like, really? And I said, yes, I, I don't know what, maybe we can do some kind of work together. I don't know, but I'm just gonna put it out there. And here's what I do and you know, what do you need? And maybe we can do something. And um, he, and, uh, he and I have now been, you know, sort of, we, the first thing he said was, uh, well, I'm going to be in, he's from Boston. He said, I'm going to be in Philadelphia in like four months. So we'll get together, we'll meet, da da You know, that's just because I called him and said, I think you're the bomb. Do it. It is unbelievable. People are s still like Robert De Niro. They like, want to be liked. So if you call him and say, I think you're it on a stick and I want to have lunch with you, you will be so, so surprised how many people would say yes. I had lunch with Carol Amon, who started the whole giant company. Um, of course, now I can't remember the name of it. It's like a medical pharma, big giant company. She was like one of the first women CEOs. I heard her speak. I was like, God, she is so cool. So I did that. I called her. I said, I'd love to have lunch with you. She said, great. When do you want to come? I went like two weeks later. So, you know, I know you're going to be like, yeah, well, you're 50. So what? So what? It's still hard, you know? It's, I'm still putting myself out there and saying, I think you're really cool. Would you like me back? But they do. So that's it. What is, do we have any other? Oh, I wanted you to write your names. Did you? Did you write, everybody write somebody they admire? Would anybody share? I'm looking at you. Would anybody share? Would you? Excellent. You could have seen Hillary. She was here in November. Did you know that? I saw her. Did you go? Yeah. Did you shake her hand? No. Okay. They did? Okay. But you went. Okay. I'm proud of you. So that's really, really good because you could have met her. Might have happened. You know, might have been in a different situation. Who else has somebody that they're willing to share? Oh, plus we need to eat more. Go ahead. Both of you. Bruce Springsteen and Buddy Wakefield. Okay. Have you tried to call Bruce? He lives right down the street. Okay, call them. All right, I would challenge you. If any of you guys call your people and they meet with you, you must call me. Do you promise? A lot of them you can't, you can't necessarily call, but you can, but you'd be, again, you'd be surprised. Call their publicist, write a little, you know, that you can always find their publicist. That's a definite way you can call them. What'd you say? Hello. <laughs> there you go. A lot of people are on LinkedIn. Now, a lot aren't, but that's right. You could do that. One of, one of the women I know got Oprah that way, Twitter. Yeah. She, okay. She, um, she's from here. She's from Philadelphia. Her name is Melinda Emerson. She is an African-American hotshot woman here in Philly. I'm getting fuzzy on the actual detail, but there was a, there was some kind of little hullabaloo about social media. And this woman knows a lot about social media and she was on Twitter and this kind of thing. And she asked her if she would be willing to speak on social media. Like, again, it was like three levels down, but it was through Twitter that, and it was Oprah's, it might not have been Oprah, but it was her organization. Here's another woman, Cheryl Strayed, who's an author. 
she also met Oprah, kind of in a very similar way of, you know, completely just networking. And she was like a, um, if you don't, if you, especially you girls in here, read the book. Um, Thank you. Did you read it? Yeah, I read it like two weeks ago. Did you like it? Uh, I thought it was all right. It wasn't quite what I expected. Did you read about, Dear Sugar? I have not read her other books. I just okay. read one. All right. On the, uh, yeah, on Wild. Okay. Yeah. It was very cool. But her better book was, was called Dear Sugar, which, again, in my opinion, it was better. But she's awesome. She's a really neat lady. And again, she was just a no name. She was like on drugs, remember? She was like, yeah, she, she was not a hot shot. And she met Oprah. So all of these things really do work. Steve Jobs and, and what's his name, Wozniak, they met through a networking thing. Some guy said, you know what, you, you love computers and pranks and so does this guy and I'll introduce you to. Those are how these things happen. So don't be afraid to go, you know what, I'm gonna go for it. Who was yours? Um, Beyonce and Emma Watson. Yeah. Oh, really? Why, because you look like Emma Watson? Is that what people tell you? Oh, no, never, but. Um, I think you do. She's great. Yeah. She okay. seems very, like. Real. Yeah. Yeah, she does. So you see, she'd probably take your call. Yeah. Beyonce? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> she might. She probably wouldn't. But, but, she, but she might when she's on her trajectory on the way down. Just wait a few years. <laughs> Who else has anybody? Anybody else that's willing to share before we eat more? No? All right, let's eat more. Thanks, you guys. That was fun.